Man, thank you, Ryan. So if you haven't heard, uh, my daughter Brittany gave birth to my sixth grandson this week. Everything's good. His name is Trace Benjamin. So Trace, uno, dos, Trace. They got three boys. And Benjamin, because that's the last of the tribe, Brittany said. Um, Hopefully they're wrong about that. Um, I'm hoping. Six, six grandsons is great, but the number seven, there's something about it. I love the book of Revelation. So you all start praying for number seven. We need at least seven. If you're new here, we go verse by verse through the scriptures. We've been studying uh, each, each week. We study one week's the, the book of Romans. One week is the book of John. Today we're back in Romans. When we opened the book of Romans, we saw in the first verse that Paul wanted to bring the good news of God to this very sinful place, this church in the Roman Empire. And the good news was that God wanted to save them from their sin. And Before we could really get to the good news, Paul had to deal with the bad news first. And he had to make it clear that here's the bad news. Everybody's a sinner. The pagans are sinners. The religious people are sinners. Okay, And I'm going to tell you over the years, you know, I think think there's more hope for an atheist sometimes than a religious person. Because at least the atheist might come around. God could touch his heart and he'd believe. But the religious person thinks they're saved and they're not. So that's scary. So Paul had to say, there is no one righteous. You can't earn your salvation through religion, through any human effort. And then we saw that, it, that salvation comes only by faith. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And we saw that Abraham was the father of faith. Before the law was even written, Abraham was saved by faith. But now we've come to some amazing verses. These are some good news verses that tell us what we get, the benefits we get when we put our faith in Christ. Um, I've titled this God's Benefit Package. Now that sounds like a title one of these prosperity preachers would use. Uh, you know, that they tell you, hey, come to God and you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and smelthy, whatever that is. And, and everything's going to be good. But no, these, are, these benefits are heavenly benefits. They are, they are eternal benefits. And if we were smart enough to know this, heavenly benefits are so much more important than earthly benefits, okay? So... Um, you know, the church, I would say we're more like a family than we are a business, but we are a family business in the sense it takes money to run a church, it takes organization, it takes God's people to serve, and we're in the family business, we're in the people business, trying to get more people to become part of God's family, but Sometimes a corporation will advertise the benefits they have to get you to work for them. And God's benefits, 
that we get when we come to Jesus Christ by faith, they are just amazing. So we're going to look at these today, these amazing benefits. So I'm going to give you six benefits, six points. Since I got six grandsons, I'll give you six points today uh, and what we have in Christ. So number one, number one, we have access to God's peace. Access to God's peace. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is a good news verse right there, folks. Okay? We have access to God's peace. We have been justified. We talked about it. It's just as we've never sinned. You know, the good news is, I don't know about you, but I've always been a little nervous about Judgment Day, okay? Even as a Christian, you're a little bit nervous when everybody's got to give all your details and all your secrets got to be exposed, right? And, but here's the good news. When you read the Bible, the judge that we stand before is Jesus Christ. He is the judge. But the cool thing is, when you put your faith in Jesus, he's also your lawyer. <laughs> that's pretty cool when the judge is your lawyer, right? So that, that's it. We, by faith, we have nothing to fear. We have peace with God. This is different than the peace of God. Okay, we have access to that too. Uh, this, is, this is, there's no condemnation, as Nathaniel talked about last week. In Christ Jesus, um, I know an unbeliever might say, "Well, hey, I don't. I, I'm not at war with God. I'm well. Yes, you are. In your sin, you are at war with God. Hey, when two kings, when two kings want to control things, and one, and both kings will not give up control. What? Guess what? You have war. Okay." And when you want to be king of your own life, king of your own castle, and you don't want to let God have control, and you want to live for yourself, you are at war with God whether you know it or not. And an unbeliever might say, well, I, I, don't, I feel like I got peace. Well, you got, you got peace like the person that was sitting in a lawn chair drinking champagne on the Titanic. They had some peace. And see... There, there's a big difference, and we ought to be so grateful to realize when we come to Christ, we have peace with God. We have nothing to fear, and God's anger is not vengeful. It's not vindictive. You know, sometimes you go to court, and people will be sentenced. The judge is not angry. He just has to bring justice, and our God is a just God, and although God loves everyone, yes, there must be punishment for sin. Sin is what separates from God. Sin is what takes our peace away from God. So the good news, number one benefit, you have peace with God. Number two, you have access to God's grace. Access to God's grace. It says, through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. 
So that, that word access in the Greek, the idea is you've been brought in. You have these privileges. You now have access to God. People don't realize that. Not everybody has access to God. Not everybody's prayers are heard by God. Okay? Some of these prayers, as Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, they're prayers that are just repetitious. They go out into the air. They do not reach God. But the good news is, when we have faith in Christ, we have access to God. And we have access to His grace as His children. I love what Tim Keller says. He says, the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. is his child looking for a glass of water, right? And that's just it. We're God's child, and you can go to him at 3 a.m. You wake up at 3 a.m. and you got issues, you can go right to the throne of God. You have access. You have peace with him, and you have access to his grace. Beautiful verse, Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God says, come right to me. You know, people ask me to pray for them, and I will, I will pray for you. But you have the same access I do if you're a believer in Christ. You go right to God, and you receive grace and mercy, and you feel God's presence, and God promises to help you in your time of need. Doesn't mean all, He's going to take the problem away, but He's going to give you the grace to sustain you through it. So we have access to the grace of God. Number three, we have access to God's hope. Uh, the last part of verse 2 says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Um, Paul says in Romans 8, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Meaning, whatever suffering you go through, it doesn't compare to the glory that's coming. And that should give you hope. Um, a lot of people in this world, they've lost their hope. Many of them, they have no hope. That's why they're depressed. Many people are suicidal when they just feel like it's, it's hopeless. But as Christians... We have access to this incredible hope. And I've seen Christians. I've seen Christians go through suffering, hard times. I mean, things, and you just, sometimes it makes me go, God, why? Why does that person have to, this, these bad things keep happening to them? But you know what I notice about those people? They have hope. They never lose their hope. And so this is an incredible thing that God gives us. Access to hope. Verse 3 says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. God has a purpose. God is making you stronger. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. More hope when God builds character in you when you go through those times of suffering. Can't help but think of the book of James, can you? James, it says it this way. He says, 
Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God has purpose in your suffering. He's perfecting you. He's making you complete. And He's making you strong. And He's making your faith stronger. So God wants to build this hope in you. Do you have hope? Do you have hope in God? Um, when after Trace was born, Michael put a little, he put one of those vid- Facebook videos and little, little sweet little Trace is in the video and the, the caption says, there is joy in the morning, right? And what, what, what's he getting at there? Because the night before, there wasn't a lot of joy, okay? And if you've ever been in that birthing room, you know what I'm talking about, especially you ladies that have ever given birth. Uh, there's some suffering that comes with it. But the joy that comes after can't compare. And that's why when you're a married couple and, and you want to have children and, and they, you find out you're pregnant, and you go and tell people, what do they do? They congratulate you. They're happy for you. Nobody says, hey, don't you know you're going to suffer? Don't you know you're going to experience pain and contractions? Don't you know at nine months you're going to walk around like a hippo and it's going to be terrible? No, you don't do that. Why? Because, because You're focusing on the joy that's coming, not the suffering. And that's what Paul's saying. We don't rejoice in our suffering. We don't drop a rock on our toe and then bounce up and down going joy, 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 joy. No, we don't rejoice in that. But what we have in God and access to Him just builds hope in us. And I know I'm in trouble for the hippo comment. So let's move on. That slipped. Uh, so let's move on to number four great benefit we have access to God's love access to God's love verse five says and hope does not put us to shame unbelievers say you Christians you keep hoping in God and like shame on you (laughs) Paul says hey we will not be put to shame our hope will become a reality one day because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who He has been given to us. How can you say you're a Christian and not have a deep love for God? How can you not love God when you realize, what He's done for you. Plus, He's put your, His Spirit in you that makes you able to love Him back. First John says, we love God because He first loved us. This incredible love uh, should be in our hearts. I love the story when the prostitute comes and anoints Jesus with, with this expensive perfume. He's in the house of the Pharisee. And the Pharisee's thinking in his mind, If this guy was a prophet, he'd know what kind of sinful woman it is. Jesus read his thoughts because he's God. And so he answered his thoughts, which I'm sure that freaked him out. But I love what Jesus said. He said, listen, listen, 
when I came in, you didn't welcome me. You didn't greet me. You didn't care about me. You didn't love me. But this woman is showing love to me. And then he says this, because he who is forgiven loves much. See, the more you're forgiven, the more you love God. That's why the worst sinners in here, that's why we love God the most. Because, because we know we're forgiven and we know that God loves us and so we love Him back. Verse 6, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amazing. He said, yeah, maybe someone will die for some righteous cause, righteous person. Maybe someone would die for... But you realize God died for you in your sinful state when you were totally sinful and you're totally selfish? Why? Because He loved you with a special love. Because you might be saying, access to God's love. Doesn't everybody have God's love? Uh, we saw it, for God so loved the world. Uh, yes, God loves everyone. But there is a special love that you have access to Him when you become His child. Okay, it's different. It's different. And, you know, my kids were little. I used to be a children's minister. Uh, I coached Little League and football, and I was around kids all the time. I loved those kids. I loved the kids in the neighborhood, even though they'd come over and eat all my stuff, Ryan Krause, you know? And, and, and back then, I was allowed to have snacks, so that was rough. And it was like, it's like you, I loved kids, right? But every parent knows you can't help it. You have a special love for your own children. Why? Because they're yours. Because they're yours. You can't even explain it. And you want to know God has a special love for you because you're His. You're His. And you have access to that incredible love of God. Number five. Number five. This is good. We have access to God's security. God's security. Really, this, this whole benefit package here, it's all about security. Paul is saying it's all a done deal. This isn't coming later. If you're a Christian, you already have access to all this, and nothing's going to take it away. Nothing. That's the point. So, uh, verses 9 and 10 says, Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, just as if we've never sinned, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. You're justified. It's a done deal. You are going to be saved from the wrath of God. You don't have to be fear it. Your salvation is secure. Verse 10, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, how much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? If God reconciled you while you were his enemy, how much more are you going to keep your salvation because you, past dense, have been reconciled to him? Nothing can take your salvation away. That's what Paul is saying. 
We're going to see it through Romans. You get to Romans 8, it says nothing can separate us from the love of God. But yet you have Christians saying, I can find something. I can find something. It's silly. It's silly. Just as Nicodemus said to Jesus, how can I go back? I can't go back to my mother's womb. Well, when you're born again, you can't get out of it. You can't go back. It's the power of God that has regenerated you. And you can't walk out of that. Now, I want to say to you, a couple weeks ago I told you about the big church that believes baptism is essential for salvation. Well, that big church also believes that you can lose your salvation. And that's strike two. I get one more strike, I'm going to start naming names. All right? But here's the deal. Here's what confuses people that can say you can lose your salvation. What they'll say is, well, hey, wait a minute. This guy got baptized, and he said he was a Christian, and he went to church for a few years, but now he's an atheist. And now he worships Satan. So you're telling me that that guy is, is going, not going to lose his salvation? I'm telling you this, that guy never had salvation. The scripture makes it clear. 1 John says, they went out from us because they did not belong to us. So people like that, they don't lose their salvation. They never had salvation. Okay? Jesus said about Judas, Judas didn't lose his salvation. Jesus says he was a devil from the beginning. His true colors just came out later. And so these people that turn away from God, we call them apostate, their true colors come out later, but they've never had salvation. Because if it was true salvation, nothing can take that away. And I've seen people, I've seen people leave the church. I've seen people go back to the world, go back to their partying ways that, that became Christians. And then you wonder, are they apostate? Were they truly saved? But you know what? Then the world beats them up, and guess what? They come crawling back to church. You know why? Because they're God's true sheep. God's true sheep will always come back. And, they will, and Jesus said, I won't lose one of my sheep. So you got to look at John 10 when you're talking about eternal security. And it says... John 10, 27-30, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And I've got a loving relationship with my true sheep. They will follow me. They might get off track, but they'll come back. Right? Verse 28, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. In the Greek, never means never They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one is going to take you out of Jesus' hand. Verse 29, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Jesus speaking in his humanness, saying, my Father, in all of his glory, no one can snatch you out of his hand. And then he says, I and the Father are one. I love that. You got God the Father holding you in His hand. You got God the Son and the Spirit, the power that created this universe, holding you there. And yet you think somebody can take you away or there's something you can do for God to take away your salvation? Um, 
our children's minister long ago, Jason Levine. He always watches the church service. He's probably watching right now on his way. They have a different time in Alabama. But uh, I, I want to give him some props. Whenever, whenever he would talk about this passage, see these, these people that believe in eternal insecurity, which doesn't make sense. Uh, if something's eternal, how can it be lost? It's eternal. But they'll say, they'll read this passage right here and they'll go, well, no one can snatch you out of God's hand, but you can jump out with your own free will. Really? Well, Jason would always say, yeah, but if you can jump out of God's hand, he'll catch you with the other one. True. True. I mean, if your four-year-old gets mad at you because he can't have candy, and he goes to the front door and says, I'm out of here. I'm done with this family. Are you going to let him go? Well, if you're, you let him go, you're a bad parent. I'm going to reason with the kid. I'm going to try to get him back in here. He ain't going nowhere. I don't care how mad he is and what he says. God loves you more than your own children. Your salvation is secure. I know there are times in life we get disoriented. We doubt. We lack faith. We, we, we get sin in our mind. But God is the one keeping you saved, not yourself. Sure, we get disoriented. I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, it wasn't funny to my wife when it happened, but I uh, liked to play softball when I was young. I told you stories before. But uh, one night, uh, I was at Carmelita Field playing softball. And when I played softball, I had some issues. I had some competitive issues, okay? And I played hard. And I realized, you know, running to first base, trying to beat, beat out them getting you out, if you slide, it'll slow you down. But if you dive in the air and, you know, break your ribs and touch the base, you get there faster. I figured that out. So one night, uh, I was going to hit a base hit to right field. It looked open, the big old first baseman, left-hander. He knew I was coming that way. He was ready for it. So I, I hit it into the hole, would have been a base hit, but he went over, big old guy snatched it and came over to touch the base. Problem is, I'm going to beat him to that base because I'm diving. So sure enough, I came, did my dive, my hand hit the base. Good news, I was safe. Bad news, the first baseman kicked me in the side of my head, <laughs> and I had a severe concussion, severe. And I don't remember anything else about that game. Uh, my friends on the team told me that, he said, man, you got up, you were wobbling. We tried to get you a runner. You had blood streaming down your head, but you're just wiping your blood off going, no one's running for me. I'm running myself. So we had to let you run. And they told me I played the whole game with this concussion, got hits, drove in runs, made defensive plays. I wish I would have remembered it because it sounded like a good game. But, and God's always watching out for me. And I'm so thankful for that. I always drive to that field by myself. Always. But this one night, I happened to, that night I drove with a friend. Wonder why. A friend from church. We drove together. And see, I kept coming in the dugout saying things like, was I safe? Was I safe? At first they thought I was joking. Then they realized something's wrong with me. And then after the game, you know, I'm supposed to be going home with Dickie Stanford is his name. And i I've got my head on the fence, he said, and, and he said, Frank, what are you doing? And I go, I don't know. 
He goes, Frank, we got to go to the hospital. So he took me to the emergency room, and uh, my wife, Darla, actually worked on the third floor of Fawcett Hospital at that time. And the lady in the nursing room recognized me. She called up Darla on the third floor and goes, hey, we got your husband down here. He's got a concussion, and he doesn't even know if he's married. <laughs> that, that'll bless your heart. Sorry, honey. Sorry, honey. That was the concussion. But uh, so anyway, they, they called a pastor friend that was discipling me, Larry Schaefer, to come over and visit me and pray with me. Um, and I don't, I don't really remember any of it, but he said, he said, there must have been, something must have triggered in me when I saw him, because he said, when they were wheeling you off to your room, you kept shouting at people, I can't lose my salvation, can't lose my salvation. Of course, I don't think anybody came to church, they just thought I was drunk or something crazy or whatever. But I always thought about that. I thought about, man, as disoriented as I was, at least I knew I couldn't lose my salvation, right? And here's the thing. Even if I would have forgot, even if I would have continued to be disoriented, my salvation is secure. Guys, we get disoriented at times. We have bad days. We have crazy thoughts. God is keeping us saved. Okay, that is a done deal. You cannot lose your salvation. You have access to God's security. And then number six, and finally, and this is good too, we have access to God's joy. Access to God's joy. Verse 11. Paul says, more than that, here comes more stuff, more benefits, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We rejoice in God. We have joy in God. Do you have joy in God? I say, I believe in God, but I mean, do you get joy out of knowing Him? Do you only get joy from the stuff God has given you? Or do you have joy just in Him, just His person? Just in how gracious He is and merciful He is and He's kind. And how you get that joy, you, you renew your mind. We'll talk about that in Romans as well. You've got to meditate on Scripture. God says, search for me. Seek, seek me with all your heart, then you'll find me. Do you search for God? It, it, we, God, we were created to have joy in God. Ecclesiastes says, Solomon says, God has put eternity in every human heart. What's that mean? God put a, like a hole there so you would know there's something bigger out there than you. There's something that you need. And what is it? It's God. It's it's, and Jesus Christ is the way to God. So you can experience that joy in Him. And I'm just going to tell you, whatever you give your heart to, whatever you give your heart to, in this human world, sinful world, whatever you give your heart to, eventually it's going to disappoint you. It's going to disappoint you. Only God 
Only God, through Jesus Christ, can give you the ultimate joy and satisfaction for your soul. So you want to keep trying? Keep trying to find satisfaction and fill your emptiness with stuff in this world. It'll never happen. Listen, I grew up listening to the Rolling Stones, okay? And I can't get no satisfaction. And I try, and I try, and I try, and I try. Yeah, that's what people do. They try, and they try. And it never fills that void. Because you were created to enjoy God. And that is what you're looking for. And even though you don't know it, you're looking for the joy of God through Jesus Christ. Close with this. Great quote from one of our early church fathers, Augustine, sometimes called Augustine. He said this. He said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. I love that. You have made us, God, for yourself to find joy in you. And we're going to be restless until we rest in him. Are you restless? I know where the answer is. Do you need joy? I know where the joy is. But you got to seek it. you got to pursue it. May the Holy Spirit speak to your heart and mind today. Please pray with me. Pray with me. We're going to um, close. In the, and I got to hear the last song in the early service. It totally goes with this message. It's awesome. We're going to sing. We're going to worship God for His love for us. And... Just in this moment, in this moment, just bow in prayer with me. And, you know, I'm just a sinful man. I can't see in your heart. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what suffering you're facing or what trial that you're scared of or that's just giving you anxiety, taking your peace and your joy away. I don't know, but God knows. God knows. And I hope, I hope you don't just hear this sermon. I hope maybe you go back and read these scriptures, meditate on them, so you can build hope in your heart to know that God has purpose for everything. And this life is so short compared to eternity. Just think about that, how long eternity is compared to if we live to be 100. I mean, do you want to be 100? you want to live to be 100? you ever seen somebody 100? I mean... I mean, guys, guys, Colossians says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Focus on that. Focus on these benefits that God has, that are guaranteed to you when you put your faith in Christ. And the day is coming, there's going to be joy in the morning. And it ain't never going to end. Father, thank you for these dear people. Lord, your sheep who've come to church to worship you. They love you in their heart. God, I pray for the true Christian. I pray that they would know they have eternal security in you. They already have access to your peace, your grace, and everything we talked about. May their heart be filled with gratitude. 
God, may their heart just be stirred with, with the warmth of your love. And Lord, I pray as a church, we would go out and tell others about this good news that you offer in Jesus Christ. I pray, God, now as we close the service up with song, God, I pray you'd be pleased with our voices, but more than that, our hearts as we sing out of gratitude for you allowing us to be your children. Lord, if there's somebody watching or somebody stumbled in here today and they've never put their faith in you, God, I pray they'd feel your presence. I pray they'd feel your spirit drawing them. And I pray they would respond. God, do your wonderful work on hearts today. And we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's worship the Lord. How good he is.